chance to win it right here. Special for Carr. Off the bounce. Big time. That car will drive. Are you kidding me? This is Niederreiter holding on to it. And he scores. Nino Niederreiter wins the series for the Minnesota Wild. Brett Favre goes back to pass. He pumps. Now he fires over the middle. Intercepted. I can't believe what I'm seeing right now. It was intercepted by Tracy Porter. Near side to the 40. And John Sullivan runs him down at the 47-yard line. You've got to be kidding me. I can't believe what I just saw. That strike three from Presley. And the Astros win it 3-1. to one, And they sweep the wild card series. Two games to none. Holding the Twins offense completely in check. With the sixth pick in the 2009 NBA draft, the Minnesota Timberwolves select Johnny Flynn from Syracuse University. Heartbreaking losses, questionable wins, and unquestionable fandom. This is your source for Minnesota sports talk. This is Land of 10,000 Tears with your host, Brett Lindbergh. Hey everybody, my name is Brett Lindbergh. I am your host for Land of 10,000 Tears. I have a great show for us today. We're talking twins, wild, wolves, and a little bit about the Vikings. Got to implement that at some point. So happy Friday. We did it. We made it to the end of the week, and now it's time to have some fun. This episode is brought to you by Ted's Pizza Palace, located at 403 Main Street, East Menominee, Wisconsin. Try their fried chicken, honestly. It's all in the seasoning. It's great. Taste the homemade difference that is Ted's Pizza Palace, located in Menominee, Wisconsin. All right, let's get an update on the Minnesota Twins. They suck. I had to say it. I went to Tuesday's game against the Rangers. Twins had beaten them on Monday, but they looked a little shaky. They had a five-run lead, won six to five, so not great. But they did get the win, so I'll never really complain about it, but... They didn't look very good. So that takes us to Tuesday's game. We had Jay Happ versus former twin Kyle Gibson. And I went to this game, and last time I saw Jay Happ pitch in person, he had a no-hitter through six innings. He honestly looked like the best pitcher on the planet. And he's going up against Kyle Gibson, who was never anything special for the Twins, honestly. And I expected the Twins to just shell him and hit the ball all over the ballpark. And out of the ballpark. I expected a lot. And they didn't really meet my expectations. Go figure. That's weird, right? So, Twins looking to try to start a winning streak, because they had won the day before that. And what better team to do it than against the lowly Texas Rangers? I mean, they're not any good. I mean, neither are we, but still, you got to beat bad teams. That's how it goes. So, first inning, the Twins gave up a run. Yeah. They gave up a run in the first. But then they came back in the bottom half and got two more off of Byron Buxton. He hit a homer. And it was one of those where if you're in person for the game, you know it's gone right away. He pimped it. The sound of the ball coming off the bat is just natural. You know it's gone. Nothing like that Jock Peterson pimping a fly out to right field. That's pretty funny, though. So the Twins took the lead off that two-run homer. That was nice. And then from there, it looked like the Twins were going to win this game. Jay Happ went 5.1 innings, settled in after giving up that one run in the first, threw over 100 pitches, so they pulled him. And I understand that. You take him out. 100 pitches is a lot, even though he had only given up one run. 
Shortly after he got pulled, he got a little bit of run support by Williams Ostadio. He hit a solo shot bottom of the fifth, and that made it three to one. You know, never going to be mad about that. Get some extra runs. And uh, Hansel Robles came in and he got five straight batters out. So he got the final two outs of the sixth inning, and then they brought him in for the three outs in the seventh inning, and he got everybody out. And I need to go on a little bit of a sidebar here before I keep going. Hansel Robles uses the Undertaker's theme song when he comes out of the bullpen. And you have to be absolutely electric if you're going to do that. When I heard that music come on, I was like, oh boy, because I didn't realize that he used it. Last time I came to a game, they didn't even use Hansel Robles. So yeah, that was interesting. But come in, got everybody out. That's all I can ever ask for, especially if you have the Undertaker's music. All right, to get back on topic, though, they went to Tyler Duffy after that through the eighth inning. He faced two, got them both out, and then due to the fact that the next batter was a lefty, the Twins brought in Taylor Rogers. Rogers got him out, so they went into the ninth, and they've got a 3-1 lead. What do you think is going to happen? Like Most of the time, you'd be like, oh, it's safe. You know, They're going to win. Well, it's the Twins. And typically how they've been losing this year has been 8th inning, ninth inning, or extras. Well, they're winning in the ninth, so one of those is already eliminated. So take a guess. Would they lose in the ninth, or would they go to extras? Spoiler, because they didn't win in extras. I'm just going to say that. So Taylor Rogers gave up two runs, making it 3-3, three to three, and then the Twins came up to bat in the bottom half and didn't get anything. So if you thought that the answer was they'd lose it in the ninth, they didn't. They went to extras. So then they go to this kid, Brandon Waddle, and I have no clue why. There's no reason to treat this game like it doesn't matter or something. Like You have an opportunity to win. Throw one of your better guys. And I thought they should have thrown Jorge Alcala, and they didn't. They threw Brandon Waddle. And as we all know, there was a runner on second because that's how you start extras. And Waddle gave up a homer. So immediately they're up two runs in the 10th inning. And then that wasn't it, though. He gave up another one. So then they were up six to three. So you're down three in extras. It's probably not going to happen. And to be honest, it didn't happen. But I expect you to win if you're up 3-1 in the ninth. I don't think that's unreasonable to ask. I'm sitting there when this game's going into extras. And there are two different ways you can look at it. Well, Twins... Haven't won a single game in extra innings yet this season. Maybe they'll do it this time. But there's also this thing in the back of your head where you're thinking they're definitely going to lose again because you know they haven't won in extras yet this season. I was thinking a little bit of both. It's like, oh, I'm kind of nervous, but it's also like, yeah, but they might win. You never know. I mean, you have to play the game, and I always say that, but it didn't end up happening. So, yeah. That sucks. I don't know why you would go to Brandon Waddell, but the game should have been in hand before that. Yes, they should have gone to Jorge Alcala because he came in after they were already down three runs and he just blew everybody away. I mean, he throws 100 miles an hour, but they didn't. And that's all hindsight, but I don't know why you would go to this kid, Brandon Waddell. He got sent down right after the game. And I guess that's what happens if you make the Twins 0-6 in extra inning games. And that's, in fact, what they are this year. So after they had won on Monday and lost on Tuesday, it's 1-1 in the series, so no big deal, but you probably should have won that game, and you got two more games to go with Texas. So what could possibly go wrong? Well, 
The Twins only scored one run in the third game, so they definitely didn't win that one. They sent Lewis Thorpe to the mound, and I absolutely hate Lewis Thorpe. I have no clue why he's on the roster, and I think that the owners and GM really only justify it by the fact that he's a lefty, but doesn't mean he can pitch. I guess to be fair to him, he didn't pitch poorly. I mean, they lost 3-1, to one. so that's a game you can win. The bats went silent. But you threw some random guy out there on the mountain in Lewis Thorpe. And yeah, I mean, I don't love it. I don't love treating games like they're not important when you have a losing record and you're probably expected to finish top two in the division. So let's get to game four. The Twins decided to start Nick Gordon. And he was a top five pick in his draft class, which was back in like 2015. Over the last few years, we had really wondered if he would ever make it up to the bigs. So he made his debut and played really well. He drew a walk, had a hit, stole a base, fielded the ball cleanly. I mean, he was one for two at the plate with a walk. He did his part. Great. Now I just wish the rest of the team would have done theirs. A really unfortunate moment happened in this game with Byron Buxton. He hit a ball in the infield, tried to beat it out, and came up limping. And that's no new sight to us as Twins fans. I mean, Byron Buxton is making a career out of missing games. It's literally been his biggest knock, is that he's never healthy. And we know that. Every single season, he misses an extended amount of time. And depending on when it happens, the rest of the season, or the entire beginning, or a lot of the middle. like It's new every year as far as what time of the season it happens, but it's bound to happen. And I don't know if this is going to be super serious, but I'm pretty sure he's not going to be in the lineup today. So back to yesterday's game, I personally didn't get to watch this game due to the start time, so I don't really know how they looked, but they lost another game in extras, which is pretty unbelievable, making them 0-7 on the year. That is just great. Uh, Only upside from that game is Max Kepler hit a homer, so maybe he might potentially start getting the bat going, but honestly, I have no idea. I was listening to K-Fan on my way to work this morning, and some guy, I don't know who, said, it seems that every single string that Rocco pulls is broken, meaning that every move he makes is the wrong move in the first place, or that it finds a way to be the wrong move in the end. And yeah, I totally agree. He either overmanages and puts us into a stressful situation that we didn't need to be in and would not have been in without him putting his nose in the middle of things or he just puts the wrong guy out there for example lewis thorpe or brandon waddle you get it like he's either over managing or he's just making the wrong decision and i don't get it i i don't know what's changed over the last couple of years i mean he was good in his first year he was pretty good last year in the shortened season but he's just using analytics like crazy and it's the death of him right now i mean that's A rather large overreaction on my part, but you get the point. It's happening every single game. That's pretty much how this season has been going, and as a Minnesota sports fan, I'm super conditioned to just root for them to go into the tank when I see them play bad for long stretches of time. And I don't just mean the Twins. I mean the Wolves, even the Vikings last year when they started out really bad, I wanted them to tank because I wanted a quarterback. And I mean, I want the Wolves to tank. And it's literally just me reacting to how badly they're playing. It's like, do I want the Twins to tank? No. I mean, there's 120 games left. But, I mean, like, you're playing such bad baseball that 
if nothing changes, you're just going to be one of the worst teams in baseball, but not the worst team. Because talent-wise, they're not the worst team. So that's the problem. 120 games left. It's not like we can just pack up and in a month the season's going to be over. There's no likely end to this situation and they're definitely not in any position to tank. Like, There's nobody in any position to tank right now. So yeah, speaking of a team that maybe could tank, not really though. Twins are back in action against Detroit, who's in last place. That's tonight, that's at 6. Probably not going to pay attention to it because we have Wolves, we have Wild, and you could just do anything else rather than watch the Twins. Like Honestly, it's not worth it. Sorry to interrupt this portion of the show, but my friends with the North Coast Craftsmen want to know how you're watching your next game. Are you pulling your favorite bottle off the shelf and relaxing for the afternoon or hosting guys night? However you take in your sports, make sure you join the North Coast and let them craft your next game day experience. These guys will build you your dream bar for that man cave you've been talking to your wife about or hook you up with a summer grilling cooler for tailgating or craft an awesome bottle opener or whiskey rack. They even do custom wood burning for your favorite team logos. Be sure to check out their Facebook and YouTube pages to find out how you can join another winning team and become a North Coaster today. So check them out on YouTube. That way you can even see how they do it. You can see the process. You can see the wood that they use. You can see the faces that make it for you. Think about it. A wood-burned table with your favorite team's logo on it seems like an awesome addition to anybody's house. Give them a try. That's North Coast Craftsman. It's time to get into some Minnesota Timberwolves news. So the Wolves entered Wednesday's game against Memphis with the third worst record in the NBA, which is good for us. Not good as far as standings or record or whatever go. There were seven games left to play, so they need to buckle down and lose going into that game. Wednesday's game was action-packed, no defense whatsoever, which meant a lot of points would be scored. Nobody's going to question the Wolves' ability to score points, I'll tell you that right now. But we all know that they can't stop a runny nose. So let's get to the action. Not that this gives it away or anything, but the Wolves didn't prevent Memphis from scoring under 32 points in any of the four quarters of action. So it really comes down to how well the Wolves played. You could argue that they played pretty well. Let's look at the stats. Anthony Edwards with a career night. I'm going to get to that in a little bit. D'Angelo Russell had 22 points. Cat had 22 points. Then you had guys like Nas Reed with 14. Juancho Hernan Gomez had 11. Let's look at Anthony Edwards. He was unbelievable. He had 42 points, 6 rebounds, 7 assists, 17 of 22 from the field, which is just crazy. And what's even crazier, 8 of 9 from 3. He had 8 threes. He had 24 points just from shooting beyond the arc. Who knew that could ever happen? My biggest thing with Anthony Edwards so far in this season has been just wait till he gets an offseason where he can develop that three and he can develop his entire game. And then he goes and just spits right in my face, makes eight out of nine. I mean, I'm not mad about it by any means, but to think that he can do that and he's still so raw and he's so young and he has all this potential, it's just unbelievable. 42 points and honestly kept them in the game this entire time. So let's look at the stats. Field goal percentage, Memphis barely edging them out 54-52. Three-point percentage, the Wolves edging them out 49-48. 
Free throws, the Wolves edging them out 82-75. Turnovers, the Wolves had one more than they did. Assists, the Wolves had two more. Rebounds, Memphis was able to grab five more. Blocks were about the same. Steals were about the same. Fouls were about the same. This was a very close game, as you can tell. If you look at how Memphis performed, it was all John Morant. He had 37 points. And he only shot two threes. He was one of two. So John Morant was getting to the basket. He was hitting his mid-range. And he was passing the ball. He had 10 assists. He had a double-double. Who could he have been passing to? Kyle Anderson, he had 20. Dylan Brooks had 16. Desmond Bain had 22. He was probably one of the reasons why the Wolves didn't win this game. So thank you, Desmond Bain. 22 points, 4 of 9 from 3, 8 of 14 from the field. You probably don't even know who he is, honestly, but... 22 points from a guy off the bench will often win you a game in the NBA, assuming that your starters aren't just terrible. So that's what happened. The Wolves ended up losing 139-135. Just an absolute heartbreaker for us Wolves fans. Not. That's a good thing. Only a couple more games left. They could actually finish bottom three. And let the balls bounce where they may, as Gerson Rosas would say. So that game was basically exactly what we want to see as Wolves fans. We want to see a loss, first of all. Then we want to see our favorite players do well, mainly Anthony Edwards. And we want to see an entertaining game. And that that had all three of them. That was awesome. I'll take it. Sign me up for another one of those tonight. They play an okay Miami team tonight. And, I mean, they really need to lose this one. So let's look at the standings. So in the tank job, the Rockets are 16 and 50 with the worst record in the NBA. The Pistons are 20 and 47 with the second worst record. That's 3.5 games back of Houston. And then the Wolves are 20 and 46. That's four games back from Houston, a half game back of Detroit. I'll take it. And they have seven games left. They have Miami, Orlando, Detroit, Denver, Boston, and Dallas. Hopefully they just lose out, and that is the Wolves doing their best in trying to secure a draft pick for this year. I'll take it. Let's do it. Let's get it going. Before I get going on the Minnesota Vikings, it's time to recognize another sponsor. That is Skydive Twin Cities. Meet me out there on Sunday. That's right. This Sunday, May 9th. I will be jumping. I need to get current again. It has been a long time. It's supposed to be a great day. That's all I need to say. Book your skydive. Visit them on Facebook. That's Skydive Twin Cities. It's the best move you could make for this weekend. Just do it. All right, it's time to talk a little Minnesota Vikings. So I know there are a ton of Vikings fans that were hoping Justin Fields would have been available at 14 when the Vikings were on the clock. The reality is he wasn't because the Bears traded up. Good for the Bears. This left many fans speculating what the Vikings would have done if he were still available at 14. It's pretty likely that we would have never known what they would have done if he were available. But fast forward a few days after the draft, and we have a report from Vikings insider Courtney Cronin stating that the Vikings were gearing up to take Justin Fields had he been available. Now, I don't know if gearing up means that they were gonna or if they were going to evaluate at that point in time whether it was better to take Fields or anybody else. I don't know. But my question for Courtney Cronin is why? Why even announce that publicly, that the Vikings were gearing up or considering to take Justin Fields? This kid is now on 
the division rival Chicago Bears. What good does it do to make them feel even better about trading up to get him? It's just a hypothetical statement that doesn't need to be put out there. It's like saying, if LeBron opted out of his contract to become a free agent, that Minnesota would make an offer. Of course you explore the option. But now that you know it isn't going to happen, why even talk about it? I don't get it. So to get back on topic, the Vikings still took a quarterback in Kellen Mond, but with their first-round pick that didn't end up being Justin Fields, they took Christian Derrissaw. It got me thinking. Would you rather have Fields with the offensive line we currently have, minus Derrissaw, or hold on to the possibility that maybe Mond could be the next Vikings quarterback while still strengthening the offensive line for a more than capable Kirk Cousins? Kellen Mond versus Justin Fields. Well, in a way, I am comparing the two, but not straight up. It's the opportunity cost of having one versus the other. We don't know that either of these guys will even pan out, but this is up for speculation. Waiting to get Mond presents the benefit of strengthening the O-line in the short term and the long term by helping Cousins now, but also potentially helping Mond if he is, in fact, the next Vikings quarterback. And this is assuming Derrissaw and Wyatt Davis are decent. And by no means am I saying they will be. We could have potentially had Fields, but he still wouldn't be the starter for us this season. Or maybe not even next season, Kirk's under contract. So for this year and next year, it would not have helped us. And then we would still have the same offensive line issues from last year. Because Justin Fields, much like Jordan Love doesn't play offensive line, doesn't play receiver, doesn't play linebacker or defensive tackle, he plays quarterback. Well, if you already have one, then it's not going to do you much good for this upcoming season. The Bears are different. The Bears have a legit chance of starting Justin Fields from day one. It's either going to be him or Andy Dalton. That's clear cut. I don't have any reason to believe that Andy Dalton is just automatically going to be penciled in as the week one starter they're going to have a battle because why wouldn't you they traded up for him because they have a need at quarterback it makes way more sense for the bears to trade up and get him than it did for us to take him assuming he would have been available anyway which he was not that is the reality now i know that i'm gonna sound like a homer and that's fine i don't care but to me it makes sense why i like the move that actually happened more than this hypothetical option. Yeah, because I have to kind of justify it happening anyway. Like, I can't change what actually happened, so I have to deal with it. I have to like it. And at the same time, I have to deal with the fact that Justin Fields is with the Chicago Bears. That's fine. I had said it before, there's no guarantee that either him or Kellen Mond are gonna be any good anyway. I mean, there's a chance. Obviously, Justin Fields was a top talent. I don't know if Kellen Mond's going to be any good, but he's on our roster now. Justin Fields is not. That's why I have to deal with this. You got to make do with what we have. And what we have is Christian Derrissaw and Kellen Mond. Whereas we may have in an alternate universe would have had Justin Fields. But that's what we have. Got to make hay while the sun is shining. Overall, I'm happy that we addressed offensive line. Because if we can win now with our very talented roster, I believe everything in the future will just sort its way out. So to Vikings fans that were wishing we could have gotten Justin Fields, honestly, just get over it. Because you know who doesn't care? Green Bay fans, and especially Chicago fans. 
Think about it this way. If Minnesota really wanted Justin Fields that much, they would have traded up for him. They sat there at 14 with the pick that they had, and they didn't do anything before they were on the clock. So yeah, they probably didn't want him as much as Chicago or anybody else did. I mean, they would have evaluated taking him if they were on the clock and he was available. Sure, I will not dispute that, but that isn't what happened. It's not, so you need to just get over it. Seriously, that's all I have. We need to just forget about it and move on. I do not want to see a graphic on Monday Night Football in this upcoming season saying, oh, Justin Fields taken with pick number 12 by Chicago who traded up over Minnesota. I don't care. Minnesota could have probably traded up for that too. They had way more draft picks. Chicago doesn't have any. So seriously, if you think Minnesota was going to get him, then you're just a sad puppy. Chill out, get over it, have yourself a beer, whatever it takes to get over it. We're moving on to the Minnesota Wild. So the Wild were in action against Vegas on Monday and Wednesday. Monday's game was awesome. Featured 11 total goals. Kept me on the edge of my seat. Had everything that I wanted in a Monday night hockey game. So let's get into the action. The Wild scored first, which was huge because Vegas has the best record in the NHL when scoring first. So who scored? My guy Joel Erickson Eck, assisted by Jared Spurgeon. So the Wild were up 1-0, but then they gave up two back-to-back goals. Shea Theodore, assisted by Mark Stone and Braden McNabb. And then on the power play, Vegas got another one. Alec Martinez, assisted by Riley Smith and William Carlson, making it 2-1 Vegas. But then, right after that, the Wild tie it up. Nick Bonino, assisted by Matt Dumba and Jonas Brodeen, 2-2. But then the Wild gave up another one. Alex Tuck, assisted by Peyton Krebs and Nicholas Roy. So it's 3-2 at the end of the first period. So yeah, there was a ton of action, like I had alluded to. That's five goals. Well, there was going to be six more total. So buckle up, buddy. Second period comes along. Vegas takes a two-goal lead. Mark Stone, assisted by Chandler Stevenson. So yeah, 4-2 at that point, but the Wild got on the power play. Goal by Nick Bonino, assisted by Jared Spurgeon and Dala Dala Bill Kirill Kaprizov, making it 4-3. But Vegas wasn't done. They got a goal from Jonathan Marchessault, assisted by Alec Martinez and William Carlson. So it's 5-3. Vegas has come to play. Eight total goals in two periods so far. So the Wild really had to get after it in this one. Well, they did. Kevin Fiala, assisted by Nick Bonino and Victor Rask. And then they got one from Kirill Kaprizov, assisted by Kevin Fiala. That goal tied it with a minute and 40 seconds left. And then 30 seconds later, with about a minute to go, Jonas Brodin just kind of flips one at the net, and it was a knuckle puck, and it really kind of stifled Robin Leonard and went right under his arm for the goal to take the lead 6-5. to five. And if you know how to do math, that's 11 goals. Like I had said before, 11 total goals, Bing, bang, boom, wild win, making them 5-2 and two against Vegas so far in the season with one game left to go. That was Wednesday's game. The chance to be 6-2 and two against a team that's in first place in an NHL hockey division. That's just crazy. What a way to win. Get three goals in the third, two in the final two minutes, improve to 5-2 and two on the season, and inch closer to Vegas in the standings. So let's get into Wednesday's game, which was a much different game, I might add. Well, what was different? There were fights, 
There was good goaltending and good defense, and it was just gritty, a gritty game overall. It felt like a playoff game, and we know these two teams very well might meet in the playoffs, and that would be awesome. So let's get to the action. The first period was very interesting because there were zero total goals scored, and that meant that there was good goaltending, good defense, and fighting, like I had alluded to before. There were a couple of scraps in the first period, nothing super notable. So let's get to the second period. Well, Vegas got on the board first, and I know I had said before that Vegas has the best record in hockey when they score first. It took them all the way to the second period to score. I mean, both teams had chances in the first period. They scored in the second. Chandler Stevenson assisted by Matthias Janmark, making it 1-0. That was it for the second period. Third period, the Wild got after it, and Vegas got after it with some extracurriculars as well. Before I get into the goals that were scored, we got to talk about something that happened. There was an awful cheap shot thrown by Nicholas Hag. So Kirill Kaprizov was skating kind of towards the benches, and he got absolutely smoked into the area of the boards right in front of the bench where there's no fiberglass, and his chin ended up just getting crushed right into the door, essentially. And that was bad. A couple of wild players took serious offense to that, including Marcus Foligno, Joel Eriksson Eck, but Kirill Kaprizov got up off the ground and then was hit again by Braden McNabb. So he fell to the ground, but he got right back up, and then he kind of just single-leg takedown, took him down to the ice, and hovered over him, just kind of forcing his face into the ground. Didn't really throw many punches, so he didn't do anything that was egregious by any means i mean let's be honest he got his face smashed into the boards i think he's totally within his rights to do that so Braden mcnab got up off the ground and his face was just bloody kaprizov looked scrappy out there felino looked so fired up same with joel erickson eck they wanted to fight nicholas hag well after the penalty minutes were served on both sides nicholas hag and marcus felino locked horns went at it And as a fan, you could never be more proud of Marcus Foligno for going out there and trying to protect our best player, sending the message that you don't mess with Kirill Kaprizov unless you want to get your face beat in. I truly believe every team needs a guy like that because he doesn't just fight to fight. He fights because somebody deserves it. That's the type of guy you need. He's a leader. He's not the most talented player out there, but he's an absolute brute. He's massive, and he'll fight. That's great. So let's get to some of the goals that were scored in the third period. Kirill Kaprizov, assisted by Matt Zuccarello and Ryan Hartman, to tie the game at 1-1. And then two minutes later, can I get $2? $2 bills? $2 bills for $1 bill Kirill? He gets another one, assisted by... Ryan Hartman, again, giving them the lead 2-1, to one. and at that point, it seemed like the Wild had all the momentum after the fight, then the two goals, you pissed off Kaprizov, and now you're going to pay for it. Wrong. Wild gave up another power play goal. Riley Smith, assisted by William Carlson and Alec Martinez. That ended the game in regulation. And if you know how to do math, it's 2-2. Two to two. That means overtime. That means 3-on-3, three And this is interesting because they've played overtime one time before this, and Vegas got the win. So the Wild have a chance to right their wrong from before and beat them on their home ice in overtime. Unfortunately, the puck didn't bounce their way. Vegas really took care of 
overtime, and they got a goal from Alex Petrangelo, assisted by Alex Tuck and Jonathan Marchessault. That first line from Vegas is just lethal. They had a two-on-one breakaway, and Alex Tuck hit Petrangelo right on the tape, and he just so happened to slide one by our guy Cam Talbot. So unfortunately, the Wild get a little bit unlucky and lose 3-2. to two. So two of the three games that they had lost to Vegas, they lost in overtime. What does that say? Well, it means they can stick with them. There was only one game where the Wild didn't come to play and they got beat pretty bad. But every other game, the Wild either won or lost in overtime. That's encouraging, especially if they end up drawing each other in the playoffs. You know, you just can't win them all. And in that two-game stretch, they split 1-1. No shame of that. That's fine. Uh, Let's check out the standings. Vegas is in first place. They've played 52 games. They have 76 points. The Wild have played 52 games. They have 71 points. And Colorado is in second. They've played 51 games, and they have 72 points. So the Wild have four games to go. That's two against the Ducks, two against the Blues. And honestly, you have to win three out of four. I would prefer to see four out of four, but you have to win three out of four. Because if you can do that, then you give yourself a chance of having home ice for the first round, whether that's in first or in second. But if you're in third, that means you go on the road. It's not the end of the world. I mean, they already clinched the playoffs, but you get it. Playing at the X is so much different for Minnesota than playing somewhere else. And I mean, that sounds dumb to say because it's obvious, but it's just incredibly true. So the Wild are in action tonight against Anaheim. They're heavy favorites, so I really expect them to just smoke them. They'll probably throw Capo Kakinen in the net because Cam Talbot's had a decent run over the last couple of games. They might want to get him some rest before the season wraps up. But playoffs are right around the corner. I'm really excited. I'm going to tune in to probably every single game I have the opportunity to, and then we go from there. Hopefully the Wild have a decent run in them for the playoffs this year. But I'm excited. The future is bright for Minnesota sports in some aspects. That's all I got for today. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Go enjoy your evening, your weekend. Happy Mother's Day. We'll catch you in the next one.